I was more scared than I've been my entire life. I was in the military. I've been in some situations that were pretty scary. But this, I really thought, if we didn't have that river, we would have died. I'm Andrew Thien, and this is Beat Check with the Oregonian. For 18 hours, Fran Howe and her husband Larry Tripoli waited on the banks of the Sanium River as the Beachy Creek Fire torched their dream home in much of the town of Gates. They spent at least an hour in the mountain river up to their knees, watching trees burn all around them. Gates sits about 35 miles east of Salem. Howe and Tripoli's tale of survival is one of many harrowing stories emerging across the state as some one million acres of Oregon burn and tens of thousands of people evacuate to safety. The Oregonian and Oregon Lives, Fedor Zarhin and Brooke Herbert, interviewed Howe and Tripoli at a Salem hotel where they're staying with their three dogs, all of which were with them throughout their saga. Here's their story. So where were you guys when you, and I don't know who wants to, Fran, you can go first, I suppose. Where, where were you when you first realized, okay, something could happen to us, not just other people, but to us? Um, well, probably about 4.30 in the morning. I mean, when we got back from Long Beach, Washington on Monday uh, at 4, we were surrounded in smoke. Um, and our dog sitter had told us the day before when she touched base with us um, that there was smoke and that it seemed worse. Uh, but we knew there were fires, uh, and so we assumed it was from that. And then our neighbor... Across the street. Across the street, who works for DOT, Department of Transportation, came over about 9 o'clock, and he said, uh, did you see the fire across the river? It's on the hillside. And uh, and we actually didn't see it, and we went out, and they had logged probably about two years ago that area, and uh, we had seen a fire there before, and it was not a big deal to us. It wasn't close to us, and so we went to bed probably about 11, 30, 12. Things really hadn't changed. Nothing on TV, you know, about evacuation. Well, we had no power. The power. Oh, that's was right. That's right. We lost our power at 8 p.m., which is not unusual when you live in the country, and especially. Um, I mean, we had a backup generator for things like that, so uh, we didn't hear any alerts or anything. Went to bed, and about 4:30, my husband got up, and the house was full of smoke, and he said, "We got to get out of here." Because we didn't have power, we couldn't uh, open the the garage doors uh, electrically. So I started throwing things in the car. So the cat was downstairs in a, a separate dwelling. We had like a mother-in-law house. So we lived upstairs and we had another apartment down below us from when we built the house initially with her dad and her, uh, you know, 13 years ago. So the dogs and the cat had never really met each other. So it was a cat that we kind of feral, it was a feral cat that we kind of started to Take get used to being, you know, a house cat. Uh, she would still go in and out every day, but uh, still the dogs would chase her, so they didn't really, uh, you know, cohabitate or get along. So I, I went downstairs, she had the whole apartment to herself basically, downstairs. So I went downstairs to get a suitcase to throw some stuff together that we were going to throw in the back of the car. And the first time I went down, she was just kind of sleeping on the, you know, on the back of the sofa. And I went and grabbed the suitcase and then came back upstairs and we started throwing stuff together. 
I went back downstairs to get the carrier for the cat and to put the cat in the carrier, and she was I noticed she was gone off the sofa. So she used to go like to go in and lay on the bed in the in the bedroom downstairs, and that's where I saw her. But as soon as I came into the bedroom, she kind of freaked out a little bit and jumped off the bed and hid under the bed, and that's where she was. And you know she was there. She was we scared. Could, and we had stuff out. under the bed, so I couldn't just reach in and grab her. She was kind of hunkered down, you know, hiding in a corner. So. Then we went back upstairs. I figured, well, we'll get everything loaded in the car, and then I'll go back down again and try and get her whenever we're ready to go. And Fran, that's when you saw the fire. Fran had the, uh, the Prius rear hatch was open, loading stuff in there, and I went to look at, you know, you have to manually open the car, the, the garage with the pull-downs. So I was looking to go do that, and I noticed that the fire was bursting out of our neighbor's fence that split our properties. What's uh, a wooden fence, and it, and it ran all along the whole property level. And we had a, a tough shed out there that we kept all of our holiday decorations and you know various sundry things like that in that. And the fire was just licking up the fence. And I said, "Friend, we don't have time to raise these garage doors manually and get out of this house. We have to get the dogs and, and go down to the river." And there was fire across the street too. We saw. So that's what we so, did. So uh, we loaded up the, we leashed up the dogs and took them down the stairs, down the back, to, you know, to the lower exit, and um, kept I, the I, I kept the sliding door. glass door open because I knew that if uh, that was the way that Manu, our cat, would go in and out for the most part. So I knew that hopefully, if she sensed any danger, she would make her way to the exit that she was most familiar with, and get her way out of the house and then we just started heading down to the to the river we have about a 40 foot drop from our property up on the uh you know the main part of the property down to the river it's a very walkable 40 foot drop it's a you know elevated but it's a, a not s- such a steep incline that you can't walk down it comfortably so and it's a little switch back in there so we started walking down and we were already noticing that there were tree limbs down here and tree limbs down there blocking our way down a little bit but we managed to get down to the river and we started to walk down river a little bit below our neighbor's house actually so we down you know yeah. we just got down maybe maybe that little bit maybe you know 50 feet 100 feet or whatever it is between the, the two properties and we just stayed there and the the fires was starting to burst around us uh, on the trees uh, and across the and river. across the river as well we were in the river initially we we entered the water about Directly five th- from our property. We went into the river. How wide is the river? The river at Sandium at that point is probably about uh, I don't know, maybe about maybe about seventy five feet across, something like that. And at that point, you thought what? We just decide, thought like we're going to go in the river. Well, we we the fire was behind us, headed, and we didn't know if it would go all the way down by the bank. So we went initially into the river, you know, for protection, obviously. And we knew that we were safer in the river than anywhere on that lower property. And so we stayed in the river about an hour. And that's cold. With the dogs. With the dogs. They were in the river, too. And, uh, and then as we're watching everything, you know, catch on fire, and you could hear our neighbor um, to the... Uh, to the left, west. Of, uh, to, to the right of us, as you're facing the would property, would have been to the west of us. Had yeah. a, uh, a little wooden cabin, and that went up, 
you know, unbelievably quickly. And uh, so, but when we realized that it wasn't coming down so quickly, we got on the bank and got out of the water, which really helped because we were cold. And uh, it had it had come down the hillside though, because there were trees and bushes and shrubbery that were on fire all the way down. But just you know, depending on. Uh, how how wicked the wind was whipping around. Yeah, those east winds the, were really, really they, bad. Uh, you know, not everything was ablaze, but there was pockets. How and close the, did it get to you guys? Well, we had a couple of trees right on the on the edge of the bank that were on fire that we were in standing in front of. And I thought, you know, if these trees uh, if these trees Come collapse, yeah. Yeah, they'll be pretty close to us. So that was another reason we were out in the river because we weren't sure about the trees falling and where and we have a huge cottonwood there that easily could have reached to mid river uh and so and it did catch on fire but you know those trees are fairly hardy uh and it was a tree that was very very old and and then we noticed on the opposite side of the river things just started to really catch fire on the opposite side as well now that whole bay that whole bank was pretty much on fire across the river from us douglas firs yeah so Uh, how bright are we talking it was like uh like you light a fire right in front of you I mean, it, it, the, the whole sky was a red color. And it was, uh, you know, right, you could tell behind if you're looking, it is, I mean, in front of you, it was nothing but a reddish kind of glow. And then, you know, when the winds picked up, it was just horrible. I mean, as you could barely see because the smoke was so bad. And then you would all of a sudden, when something caught, you know, you would see the flame shooting up. Well, what it, sounds you heard there? Uh, just roaring fires. Roaring fire, and when just, things first caught on fire, you know, you when, would hear these horrible boom sounds. Uh, and you would hear the trees exploding. Yeah. The trees could, would be exploding here and there along the, along the bank. The top parts, you know, when and, they caught on fire. And, you know, of course, like I said, we didn't really know uh, the extent of where it was hitting and where it was passing or whatever, but you could definitely, the, the winds were so so rapid that it was just whipping you know tree branches our property was just littered with tree branches and um and debris and stuff like that and you wouldn't you wouldn't recognize or we didn't recognize that it was all covered in ash uh you know we weren't sure even with the dogs walking on their their feet obviously how hot that ash was going to be for them walking around down there but once we once we were down by the bank in the river, then at, you know what well, wasn't so much of an issue. But then, you know, after a little while, we were positioned uh, more. We had gone down river just a little bit, and so we were positioned more so uh, directly below our neighbor's house. And then we saw that thing just light up like a torch. The house, the house. and and it just shot up in flames. And we said, well, you know, we didn't see our house go up yet, but we knew it was going to be close. And, and it's also a it, much bigger it, structure. Ours and, is a, and it was not made all of, out of wood. Right. So it took a while. We probably ventured back up. Um, my husband had probably a half of, uh, how much did you initially have on your cell phone? Um, well, battery-wise. by the time we started heading down to the river, my cell phone had... Uh, about a half a charge, maybe just a little bit more than a half a charge, but not not too much. So we knew the charge was running down. So you he know, was on we, the phone with the d- dispatcher. I had called uh, I had called nine one one immediately yeah. at five thirty once wow. we made it down to the river, mm-hmm. 
and let uh, him know where we were. Gave him our names, and and uh, I let him know our address, yeah. and let them know that my wife and I and our three dogs were in the middle of the river, Not and the middle, well, in the river, in the river on, close to the bank, and um, you know that. Uh, I don't know what was right. what we were expecting, but I just want to let somebody know where we were. Well, here, let, let me ask just a, a few questions. So, so next, um, so you're in the water. There's the booming. There's the explosions. I mean, what else are you hearing? What's what else? Other. So there's the booms, and I'm just going to sort of go one person to one person. So. Well, the wind. You could hear the wind, um, and you could hear uh, the um, the sounds of things being uh, catching fire. Okay. And what what is smelling? Like? A smoke. Yeah. How hard was it to breathe? <laughs> it was very hard, and if we had not had the N95, we probably would not have survived. Okay. So you brought the N95. Yeah, we had it on the whole time, okay. and I I really believe if I'd had a mask like I have on now, we would have been dead. Okay, it was that thing. Well, it it just did not provide the protection that an N95 provides. And what about the water? How far up was it when you were in the water? We were about knee, yeah. about knee deep. And the little guy here with the short legs, <laughs> we had to support him because, uh, you know, um, there, uh, the water was high, thankfully, you know, and that's controlled by the Detroit Dam. And I don't know if you know, but Detroit was totally obliterated. But it's almost like, because the, the water level changes day by day, the water was up a little bit higher. And we were a little concerned, too, because when they, like in the winter, the uh, water level can go all the way up to our cottonwood. Okay. And I kept telling Larry, God, you know, I hope they don't let, you know, some more water out. Although I did, couldn't imagine that they'd be doing sure. that because we would really have been in trouble yeah, because yeah. then the level would have been much higher. But um you couldn't really walk. It's fairly rocky there, so you have to be very careful. We both had sandals on, which were not the type of shoes you wear. Well, what else were you wearing? Uh, I had on um, a shirt, and I had on uh, jeans and uh, sandals, and you had something similar. What were you wearing later? Yeah, just jeans, and uh, I don't even what shirt did I have on? I, I had a uh, oh, I had on a, one of my yeah, I had on a like a. a like a polo-type shirt, you know, with the collar, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like a golf shirt. And sandals. And sandals, yeah. What, what did you guys manage to grab before you left? Nothing. And nothing. The dogs. I had, about, oh. I grabbed my... I, cell phone, right? You, I yeah. had my, well, yeah, I had my old cell phone right. that I just, you know, clipped it on my buckle. Right. and. Uh, so he had that, and he had his wallet. And wallet. And, and I had a purse that I had just brought back, I mean, when I, you know, took with me on the trip. And I thought I had my wallet in there. And I actually had um, sort of an ID card from the VA that I had in there. I had car keys and things, and I thought I had my wallet. And I realized I didn't. When I got down there, we had two flashlights because we hadn't had power, so we had the flashlights with us. And uh, so I have absolutely no ID, nothing. What were you guys, when you guys were standing in the water, what were you saying to each other? I told my husband as we were going down, I said, I love you in case something happens. You know, I really thought we were going to die. I was more scared than I've been my entire life. And I've, you know, been in some, I was in the military. I've been in some situations that were pretty scary. But this, I really thought, um, if we didn't have that river, we would have died. I mean, I really think it, it afforded us that protection. 
Um, Especially leaving as late as we did. Yeah. Trying, and, you know, trying to get out of there that late. Because we had, there were power lines on either side of us that were down. And trees. And, and trees. And so even if we had managed to try to get out a half an hour or 45 minutes earlier, those power lines were down and the tree limbs were down. We probably would have been stranded and then we would have been stranded up on the road instead of being able to walk down to the river. Let's take a break, then we'll hear more from Fran Howe and Larry Tripoli. So Fran, so you said that you felt like, you know, like this was it. I mean, I felt that we were going to die. I really did. What, you, what, what did that make you think? I, mean, what were those that I wanted to tell my husband I loved him. And because I didn't know if I'd have the opportunity again, I was more scared than I have ever been scared in my life. And um, that's all I thought about, you know, to let him know that. And, um, and I think that's all, you know, that's all I thought about, that this was it. And um, I, did, I really thought we weren't going to make it at that point because literally it was behind us. You know, we were running from this thing. And... Uh, I pretty much thought we were going to lose our house at that point. You know, there was no way uh, because we saw evidence that it was coming right there. So I sort of put that in the back of my mind, and I just, you know, it was survival. That's why we ran to that river. So you said that to Larry, yeah? I did. I said, I love you. And he said back, I love you. I said, I want you to know in case something happens. Where where? No, we were running. We were running as fast as I can run. I have a bad back problem right now, but I probably ran faster than I had in a long time. As you were running, you said, Larry. I said, I want to tell you I love you because I don't know if I'm going to have the opportunity again. So. So, how do you feel now that. I'm very thankful. I'm very thankful. that we, what's the most important thing is that we lived and we have our, most of our animals with us. I'm very appreciative of those volunteer firemen that risk their life every day, that they came up at their risk um, from uh, the Gates Fire Department and Staten Fire Department and they rescued us. And they were fantastic. And I'm very thankful to the sheriff that met us, the Marion County Sheriff that met us at the Gates Fire Department, which, by the way, is the only thing that survived Mm -hmm. their building. And he picked us up and he took us. um, We gave him a couple of names of hotels that, you know, we knew accepted dogs. And uh, he called around and everybody was booked. So you guys were uh, in the water, you moved down. How much time did you spend on the bank or in the river? 18 hours. 18 hours. hours. Okay. We went down there at 5.30 and we were resting. Was that rest- most of it on the bank then? One hour in the water? Yeah. yeah. We, we had about, yeah, about an hour, hour and a half in the, in the river. Uh-huh. And, then we, and then we were on the bank for the and most of the... And we moved from, because as I said, there were trees that were catching fire. And we were worried if they were going to come down. Right. So we would move along the bank. Not, not a tremendous uh, uh, distance. We didn't know what, what was out there. We, you know, all we saw was things, flames everywhere. 
So, so for all that time, for all that yeah. time, yeah. except the embers. So yeah, the you know, embers. There, were, there were embers and smoke and 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 the the wind kicking up periodically, and you know, I had been on on the phone with nine one one. Well, the e- easily about yeah, easily about six times that night. So, um, and you know, at some point during the day, which was probably about uh, oh, maybe about three o'clock in the afternoon or two thirty, three o'clock, Fran wanted to go up and see if if it was any clearer up on top of the property, and maybe try and see about getting to the Maples Rest area, which is at the the west end of Maple, of a Railroad Avenue, the Maples Rest area. I thought it would be easier for them to get to us there than to have to find the property and find us at the river. Okay. And, so, and because sh- everybody kept saying, too, you need to stay in the ri- by the river, that so, you're the safest there. So but we- the winds had died down a little bit. Things were burning, but it wasn't as bad as it had been earlier. I don't even remember what time we walked up. It was. I think it was about. Th- it was about three o'clock or two thirty, three o'clock or something like that. Because then, um, you know, fr- I, Fran started to head up on her own just to check it out, and I. I didn't really want her to go up on her own. And the dogs were going crazy, so I said, "Okay." Come on, we're going to go up with her. He said we're not going to be separated. So, so. yeah, I said, you know, we we stay together. Whatever happens, we stay together. You don't split us up and get one get caught somewhere else. So I I grabbed the dogs then, and I followed her up the trail, caught her about halfway up. And And that's when we saw the house. That's when we saw the house. And And it it was was totally gutted. All right, so we made it to the back, up to the top part of the property, and saw the house was... Well, not to the top top, but... Yeah, we did. Oh, yeah, we did, actually. I'm sorry, We we went up to the top part of the property, saw the house was totally burned down. You know, we saw the destruction on the property. There were tree limbs down. Things were, were you know, on fire a little bit up there, embers burning. Uh, We walked up to the street, to Railroad Avenue, and we were looking, you know, didn't see... There was a down can, power line. You can line see right down power lines, you can you see down tree right limbs in, in both directions. And I called 911 again, and I said, you know, we're up on top of the property now. I said, Do you have people in this area? Should we stay in this area or head back down to the river? And uh, she said, well, I really think your safest place is down at the river. She says, and you need to stay in one place so that if we do send rescue people in there, they know you're in one location and not looking in a different place than you are. So I said, okay, we're, it's starting to get windy again. The wind started picking up, and I could see embers, and the glowing was a little brighter. And I said, we're heading back down to the river then. And we, we had these two dog dishes in, in, in our yard that would, when I would tie them up on their, on their leads outside. When he was watering. When, when I was watering the lawn or whatever. So we noticed those two water dishes. We, grabbed them up real quick and we uh, took them down to the river with us and um, we ended up then staying down there so it would have been about uh, 3 o'clock 3.30 until 11.30 that evening when we finally did get picked up we saw the beacons of light coming toward us my husband we were you know sort of taking just laying there we were exhausted and laying on the ground and I was actually sort of taking a rest and and Larry jumped up and he said I think they're coming I see beacons of light and the firemen came down they were calling to us and so we met them and then the trail that we normally took down was totally you couldn't even recognize the trail uh so we sort of took another trail that they had used uh, because everything was burnt it was basically climbing up the hill climbing up the hill with rocks and 
and thank God I had a guy who was sort of burly and he was able to help me because, as I've said, I've had back issues and I, I my balance and things aren't good. So anyway, um, they were like, you know, we were so happy to see them, you know, so. Oh, and uh, at one of one point when I was talking to one of the dispatchers, and I, you know, I kept reiterating that we're here in this location. Is there any progress being made? Um, and they said we're working on. And I called. We called some family members. So we had my family in Florida, and her family, her dad in Wisconsin, um, and they were getting in touch. They with were everybody. contacting. <laughs> they were contacting the uh, you know the fire and rescue and the nine one one the police. They were trying to. They were giving them you know all kinds of. Uh, Hell, I guess from from Florida, try to get us out of there, and but uh, they did the best they could. Oh yeah, no, they so. they were not aware of their, you know what's what was happening, so they were just get them out, get them out, you know, you got to get them out of there, and they were in a panic, you know, just to, not to say the least. But uh, so one of the uh, one of the times I called and let them know where we were, and it's still there to get an update, and she said, well, we do have, we're working on getting some people to you. Said so we want to get you two out. That's our first priority. And I said, "Well, we have three dogs. Make sure that they are aware of that." And, we're not going and, and, he, our and dogs. he said, "Well, you you are two are our first priority right now." And I said, "No, we're not leaving without the dogs. So make sure they bring a big enough truck." And then when the firemen came down, I said, uh, "You know, we have three dogs." He says, "Of course, that's your family. We're bringing all of you." So, yeah. So I'm curious a little more if you can like talk about your mindset. I know you, you talked about how when you're sitting there for like 18 hours, you thought this might be it. But then, you know, after after a while, after yeah. a while, you're probably not thinking that for 18 hours. You're just kind of waiting. I guess kind of go walk me through what that was like to just be down there for, for so long. Well, the hardest thing of it is. You know, you do have the embers burning around you and you're aware of the the wind and you're aware of when there's a change in the wind. And then you're uh, also aware that the opposite side of the bank was really seeing uh, pretty severe uh, fire damage and fire eruption, uh, much more so than was on our side of the bank. Ours Ours was pretty much more up on the side of the hill more. Didn't really. I mean, it came down all the way to the river at, at some point or another. But you still wasn't. It was pockets of fire. It wasn't as wide of an expanse as on the opposite side. But after a while, you know, it's just it you, you have nowhere to sit. Basically, you're you're sitting on uh, on the ground. You're sitting on whatever you can find to try and get comfortable. Um, the dogs were a little antsy, obviously, but you know they would kind of hunker down for a little bit and then just kind of go to sleep and you know us we're we're kind of limited to where we could go I, I think what if I may speak for both of us for a minute I really think that initially we thought felt we were going to die and then as time went on we felt safer we weren't comfortable by any stretch of the imagination, but we felt safer and resigned to the fact we'd probably lost the house and we just wanted to be picked up so it was more, we're not going to die, and we have to start thinking about what we're going to be doing. So I was had like a, a mental checklist in my head, 
what we had to do because we didn't take any paperwork with us, you know, and so, and we had no paper, nothing. And it was dark. And even when it, the daylight came, you couldn't see anything because yeah. of the smoke. So mentally, I'm thinking, oh, my God, I've got to start doing this. I've got to do this, this, this. I had, as I mentioned earlier, lost all my ID. Uh, I'm a nurse practitioner. I had just um, renewed my boards, and uh, I had that certificate sitting on my computer. I'm thinking, I've got to get my license, all that documentation and everything. You know, things that you think about. And I'm, I'm sure that you were similarly thinking of those kinds of things. So for me, it was that, oh, my God, I'm not going to die, thank God. And now... It, it was almost overwhelming and has become even more so when you keep thinking that you're basically recreating everything that you've had available right there at your fingertips. And thinking about, and I'm sure I ha- we haven't thought of half of the stuff that we're going to have to do, and it is overwhelming. But the big, the big, the big change was that we're not going to die, um, and we're going to survive, and where do we go from here? And then I was, and I know you were, were deathly afraid something happened to our cat, Minu. So we've never had kids. These are our kids. So they're precious to us. Um, yeah, I guess you, you want to try to get back up there. And are you anxious to, or are you kind of dreading? Well, no, we, we already saw what it looked like. Yeah, we, we know what it looks like, so it's, it's like we're dreading having to go back up there because we also want to try and see if our, our cat survived or not. Uh, um, but we know nothing else survived. The, the house is gone, the cars are gone, possessions are gone, property is pretty much damaged and destroyed for the most part, so... And that, in that regards, we know what's up there, but you know, you know, you, you hear about certain things that survived the fire as well. You never know what you're going to find by picking through, and you know, we might find something that you never would have thought uh, could have survived it, and, and it's still there. So, I, I don't know. It's um, right now we're just kind of focusing on getting through the day by day stuff. And our insurance has told us that they they can't even get in there for aerials to see. Uh, what's, what kind of, of damage is them because yeah. of the fires and the sm- uh, smoke coverage. I, I just want to ask um, you to describe your home to me. To kind of describe what the land looks like around there. Like if you're just painting a picture of it, if, it's, if, it's, if you're okay with doing that. Um, we had a 3,400 square foot custom right. built home. So we had... And uh, uh, we had two levels. Um, our... The R level, which we lived on, the upper level was um, about uh, twenty two hundred square feet. Uh, we looked out directly on the um, both both levels looked directly on the oh, river, yeah, yeah. and the Sanium is beautiful. We had no nothing but trees um, across from us, so you didn't see there were properties, but we never saw them. Um, we had the sound of the river all the time. We weren't far from 22, and occasionally we would hear a little bit of road noise, but mostly the river, you know. It was our dream home. Um, and because I was in the Air Force, we moved a lot. We never had owned a home. And when we moved here in 2000, we rented, and then, um, you know, we, we built this home. And uh, 
So uh, it it was a beautiful home, um, and I we had possessions from you know our lives that we had collected. I don't know what else um, do you want me to say. <laughs> all, all of the landscaping, for the most part, um, was done by us. Yeah, all of know, it was. You know, with the exception. Dad initially, and then him because I have my husband because I've been incapacitated with my back. I mean, you know, you put in all that work and. Uh, you know, it's uh, when we looked at it, it, it was like, oh, my God. You know, it was amazing because as we're walking out uh, or I had gone up there um, earlier to survey the property, on one side of the tree, um, we had a vine that was hooked up to a metal kind of um, uh, trellis. Kind of trellis. And, and I looked at that and I said, my God, that's alive. You know, it, it was funny how different parts of the property had been, obviously because of the wind, had been affected. And I was thinking, you know, here's something that we actually had just put up this year, so it was still very young, and, and there was flowers still on it. And it was sort of interesting to see that against the, the dead. Um, That's her. She's I'm getting text. Her. It, it's supposed it's to be okay. my dead iPhone, so I find it interesting that it's... And I'm probably getting closer around. No, I think up. it's your other one. It's you under the towel. It's coming up on here. Do you guys, can you guys think of anything I didn't really? I want to let you go so you can get back to all your stuff. Um, Is there no. Uh, just, just really would like to express our uh, gratitude to everybody. And the um, folks at the evacuation center were yeah, were the Red Cross um, at that evacuation center. Those and most of them are volunteers. They were amazing. The Red Cross uh, this, yeah, they was fantastic. And then everybody that we've encountered, uh, you know, who really didn't know our story at all. I mean, they have just been so gracious. From my work, the people I work with for the from the VA people in the community. I mean, this is really the America that we love, you know, that people are willing to just help out in any kind of disaster. And uh, so we're very appreciative of that um, and and feel very deeply for the people that have gone through what we have or even a little bit of that, you know, because you really understand that when you're right smack in the middle of it. You know, people really do deeply care you don't always see that with the news and things, but um, there is certainly a segment of the population that reflects that um, uh, human dignity and compassion that's been lacking in some places. Thanks for listening to Beat Check with the Oregonian. If you like this show, please leave us a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. It helps others find the program. Our newsroom continues to keep readers informed about the wildfires raging across our state, the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, and racial justice movements in Portland and beyond. If you value our journalism, please support us directly at OregonLive.com slash pod support. Until next time.